Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is a podcast about why you shouldn't give a damn about happiness. And every year, there are like thousands and thousands of books that are published on happiness, and you can find endless TED Talks and discussions about happiness. People are really, really worried about happiness. Seemingly, people aren't so happy, even though they're really obsessed with happiness. That's a curious thing, isn't it? And this podcast is going to break all that down for you. We're going to provide some clarification on this subject. And so you are going to want to head over to LimitlessMindset.com to the article that is linked below wherever you are listening to this podcast as I have got a article that goes along with this. And in this article, I do have some photos of me and my wife together, and we look really good. I, I gotta say, we look we look pretty fantastic. Okay, so don't give a damn about happiness. In my previous book, I write I wrote about how, I found the happiness that I didn't give a damn about. And here I'll explain why not giving a damn about happiness makes you happier, quantitatively and qualitatively. To illustrate the principle of hedonic adaptation, I'd like you to think about going on a vacation. I want you to imagine the most awesome vacation. It'd be a little bit different for everybody, but just kind of just kind of imagine what your ideal vacation might be like. So you fly into some exotic place with resplendent weather, you check into an opulent hotel room and settle into a well-appointed room with breathtaking views. Maybe you're vacationing with your best friends or your family or your significant other, or you're alone. That might be the way that you like it. And no expense is spared doing the most awesome stuff. You take scuba lessons, go surfing, go skydiving, jet skiing, hike serene, mountain trails, you do winter sports maybe, you rent off-road vehicles, etc. And you meet the coolest, sexiest people poolside at your swanky hotel. Then your cool new friends invite you to join them for dinner and drinks at the top-rated on TripAdvisor local restaurants and bars. You gorge yourself on delicious, fresh seafood while sipping top-shelf booze and laughing and swapping stories with your new friends. Then you all go out to the most awesome parties or clubs, and the music is banging, the people are sexy, the drinks are strong, maybe you even do drugs, I don't know, and the party persists until the morning sun peeks over the blue horizon 
of the sea as you stumble back to your hotel room with a smile on your face. And on vacation, you're having a lot of sex, sometimes twice a day, either with your significant other or with some sexy and tan person you've met. It's exciting and sometimes adventuresome sex. And, of course, while you're on this most awesome of vacations, the whole time you're uploading videos and photos of your awesome vacation on social media. The likes, emoticons, and sometimes jealous comments flood in with every upload. It's epic, right? Sounds, sounds fun, right? Okay, but as you know, if you've ever had a really epic vacation, it gets old fast. Even with days filled to the brim with novelty, debauchery, and adventure, after a week or two, you'll be pretty sick of vacation. Welcome to Hedonic Adaptation. You've been racing on a hedonic treadmill that's become a hamster wheel going nowhere. You could stave off your hedonic adaptation to your glamorous life of fun in the sun by about a week by abstaining from drugs and booze, but eventually doing all these very fun things will just become tiresome. You'll start to yearn for your normal life back home. Odd, isn't it, how that works? I can attest to hedonic vacation fatigue myself. I wrote this article on the final day of a decadent week that my wife and I spent at the Black Sea. We lounged at the beach and swam every day, read books, ate great food, I did meditation at sunrise, we had amazing coffee, we didn't drink that crappy hotel coffee, we brought our own really good stuff, and it was spiked with a bit of Bailey's liqueur, which just adds a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra hedonism to your cup of morning joe, and we uh, banged righteously uh, on the beach, even beneath the stars, one night, which was very exciting and also righteous, of course, because I'm a righteous kind of guy, you know? So, I realize that uh, thanks to the great pandemic slash pandemic of 2020, a lot of people didn't get to take a vacation this very weird year. And we were able to because... We lived pretty Spartan this year. We stopped dining out. I spent my money on doomsday food prepping, which doesn't seem quite so paranoid now, does it? And uh, we dressed up for each other and did our date nights at home. We did it every Friday. I don't think we missed a, a single week. And finally, the Black Sea coast here in Bulgaria is an amazing vacation value, especially at the end of September. 
Before I got married, I took a grand total of two real vacations, totaling about two weeks in a period of about 15 years. Since I've been married, I've adopted the Southern European lifestyle a bit and spend a few weeks out of the year on holiday, as the Brits say. And after a week of being on a great vacation with my wife, I'm glad to be getting back to my not terribly exciting life back in Sofia. Hedonic adaptation intervenes not just on vacation as you get sunburnt, but with almost everything. What makes you happy will soon make you bored. I'll say that again, kind of important. What makes you happy will soon make you bored. Some examples. We've all had friends that started dating some sexy, exciting, cool new person, which for the first few months made them very happy. But eventually, they grew bored with them. The red pill dating gurus like to say, for every beautiful woman that you see or might meet, just remember that there is a guy out there, maybe multiple guys out there, that have grown sick and tired of having sex with her. That's something to think about, right? Next, booze, drugs, and sex will make you very happy for a, for at a maximum, a few hours. And then you're not so happy when you come down from the high and you have to deal with the consequences of your indulgences. Eating decadent food will make you feel great for, at the most, a few hours. But then it does nothing for you. You buy a fancy new electronic toy or gadget. It makes you very happy for, at the maximum, a few weeks, and then it's just another thing in your life. You drop hundreds of dollars on the hot smart, the hot new smartphone, and you beam with pride every time you take it out of your pocket. But after not long, it gets scratched, and people no longer ask, is that the new smartphone? And finally, example, you move into a nice new place or you get a shiny new car and you'll be very happy living there or driving it for a few months. But after a year, it's not so special. The fleeting nature of happiness is my reason for not giving a damn about happiness. And you might say in response to this, okay, Jonathan, with your vacation there, with your examples, you're describing a bunch of cheap thrills. Of course they don't make you happy permanently. Yeah, that's something that we all hopefully learned at a young age. But my objection is to making happiness your compass in life. Instead, Make meaning your compiness, your compass, <laughs> your compiness. I just invented a word there. Your compiness. Maybe we can get that added to Urban 
dictionary. Let me repeat that. My objection is to making happiness your compass in life. Instead, you want to make meaning your compass in life. And trust me, you'll be a lot happier in the long term. I'm an ethical hedonist, which means choosing the greater pleasure over the lesser pleasure. It entails passing up on a lot of frequent pleasures. This is why we do our date nights at home instead of going to swank restaurants weekly. This is why we do 24-hour fasts every week. This is why, as you can see in the the photos in this article, my sexy wife and I are, are fit and skinny. We didn't gain any weight during the COVID-19 lockdowns, while uh, apparently a lot of people were getting quite chubby. Recently, a video went very viral of Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith at this red table discussing Jada having an affair with some dumb rapper. In the video, Jada is conspicuously unapologetic, and at one point she says something very telling. She says, I just wanted to feel good. It had been so long since I felt good. Normal people will shake their heads in disbelief that someone privileged with incredible wealth and luxury just didn't feel good. What's going on there? We also can't say that Jada and Will don't pursue meaning. They've been hugely successful and have formed a beautiful family. A little bit weird of a family, but, but a beautiful family. And I'll remind you that Jada has been into a bunch of woo-woo, draw happiness from within kind of stuff for decades. According to interviews, she meditates daily in a personal meditation lounge in their $42 million mansion. I'm sure that their situation was complicated, and we know that these kinds of scandals are often manufactured for perverse reasons, but happiness is clearly her compass. And we can see in this example and innumerable others how making happiness one's compass poisons meaning and has negative consequences. If Jada can't afford enough happiness to feel good, that should tell you something about happiness. Every couple of years, we see a case of some high-profile celebrity committing suicide inexplicably. These people with fame, money, and unlimited access to luxuries that we can only dream about just can't seem to take life anymore and decide to end it. Excess happiness and indulging in cheap thrills seem to rob even a meaningful life of the will to go on. So 
What's the solution to this? Buy a compass. That's right. I link to them. They're on Amazon. You can go and check them out. There's some very, very handsome and functional and uh, durable compasses. They're on offer and they're really not very expensive. So buy a compass, leave it somewhere that you'll see it often as a reminder to make meaning your compass. Happiness is a genetic mechanism that our selfish genes have crafted for their own perpetuation. It drives us to reproduce and then eat a lot of food that will result in our demise. So we can get out of the way of the coming generations. Almost every parent agrees that nothing makes them happier than their children. So becoming a parent responsibly is about the surest bet for attaining lasting happiness. These people who stylishly shirk parenthood are just about guaranteeing themselves an unfulfilling and ultimately lonely life of chasing the mirage of fleeting pleasures. Let's go back. Let's go back about 2,000 years. The Greek philosopher Epicurus, who lived about 2,000 years ago, not that far from where we vacationed, actually nailed happiness when he prescribed what we term Epicurean living instead of indulging in cheap thrills for living a happy life. Epicurean living means being surrounded by your friends and people you like, prioritizing community. A true Epicurean would make his best friends his neighbors, in stark contrast to modern life where we live in apartments, just meters away from people that we don't know or particularly like and then spend their days working with people they don't really like. No wonder we're so obsessed with finding happiness because we've totally lost touch with a semblance of Epicurean, communitarian kind of living. So finally, I would suggest that you redefine happiness in your in your own mind. I think that we need to give happiness a bit more of a of a change in definition. You know, it's 2020, we're changing definitions of words, and I think it's I think the happiness definition needs needs an update. So chronic suffering hurts a lot more than happiness feels good. So happiness should in fact, be the absence and avoidance of chronic long-term suffering. That's something that makes a lot more sense than chasing the dragon of fleeting pleasures in my philosophy. Okay, for example, this year I read some good books about the horrifying specter of the cancer epidemic. The 
experts are telling us that we all have about a coin flips chance of getting cancer in our lifetimes. The suffering entailed in having cancer cannot be overstated. You should move heaven and earth to avoid it. And I just finished an important book on this topic, The Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. It's about how many of the fruits and vegetables that you think are healthy actually cause cancer and a host of other diseases because of the lectins that are in them and because of some of our mismanagement of our biology. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, oh, great. Now you're saying that fruits and vegetables cause cancer. What the heck am I supposed to eat then? Water? Well, it's a bit more complicated than that, which is why you should at least check out my book review of the plant paradox. That's going to be the uh, next step. You know, when I discuss philosophy, I like to connect philosophy to behaviors. I like to connect the abstract to the pragmatic. And I do link in the article to my book review of The Plant Paradox. So that's what I wish for you. I hope that in 2021, which is going to possibly be a happier year than 2020, but quite possibly be a not-so-happy year, I hope that you can redefine happiness in your mind, deprioritize it a little bit, and in the long term, you will deserve and you'll get more of it. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, looking forward to a continued conversation with you.